There was a woman in the land of Shunem, lived with her husband. She was a woman given to hospitality. And when the prophet came through, she always made sure that he had what he needed, that he had a place to rest, that he had food. She even convinced her husband to add a room onto their house so that the prophet could have his own privacy. Very unusual thing in those days. One day, the Elisha, the prophet, said to the Shunammite woman, what can I do for you? You've always been so kind to me. You've always been a blessing to me for the Lord's sake. What can I do for you? And she said, no, that's nothing I need. No, there, there must be something that you need. You do not have a child. This time next year, you will have a child. Don't lie to me. This is much too sensitive a subject. Don't promise me something that you, you can't deliver. He said, no, the Lord will give you a child. The next year, when the prophet returned, she had a son. The son grew. When he was about four or so years old, he was in the field with his father. Suddenly, he grabbed his head and he screamed, my head, my head, and he fell down, dead. The father carried him back to the house and laid him out in preparation for burial, And he noticed his wife making preparations to leave. And he said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to see the prophet. He said, why would you do that? There's nothing he can do. Our son is dead. She said, I'm going. And so they saddled the donkey. Elisha happened to be outside of his home in his morning meditations when he saw coming over the hill a donkey. And probably because of her specific Shunammite dress recognized the woman from that distance And he figured that if she was coming that time of the morning, it couldn't be good news. And he said to his servant, go, run. Ask the Shunammite woman, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? And his servant took off running. And he met the woman and he said, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? And she said, it is well. That's where Horatio Spafford got his words for that powerful song. For his heart in his time of need. The one gift she felt God had been given to her was no longer there. She did not want anything other than the presence of God. And in those days, the presence of God was only in the presence of the prophet. Now, this does have a happy ending because Elisha does go to the house. The child is raised from the dead. But the point is, it is well. When you know God, when you know Jesus, it is well. I had a magnificent experience this morning. I came in, there was someone sitting by themselves. I'm not going to say who or what or where, but they're sitting by themselves. I said, how are you doing? This person said, terrible. And she smiled, but it's going to be okay. Yeah, life is hard, but it's going to be okay. 
when you know Jesus. I talked to you last week about being the church. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus being Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John, the Gospel of John. John starts off by introducing Jesus, and he wants us to know that Jesus is God. And then he takes us to John the Baptist, who is the one that is making the way for Jesus, who's introducing Jesus. And as he takes us to John chapter 1, verse 41, he records the first thing, I'm sorry, yeah, let's go back to where we're supposed to be. Okay, yeah. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not behold the one who will get you out of financial difficulties. Not behold the one that will heal you of your sickness. Not behold the one that will cure you from your, uh, your own personal demons. No, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus must be Jesus. He cannot be our personal genie. He is not our personal bank account. He is not our personal relationship fixer. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, when the sins are gone, all of the rest of it fits in. All the rest of it works. And so when John introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he is, in fact, introducing the one who's going to fix everything for those who will let Jesus be Jesus. And he called a group of apostles who let Jesus be Jesus. Now, the people didn't. I mean, he was healing people to get their attention. He was feeding people to get their attention. Uh, he was speaking to them to get their attention. And they kept running after him. And finally, one day, he said to them, the only reason you're following me is so you can be fed. And they said, well, give us a sign. And he said, the only sign you're going to get is some poor schmuck walking through town with whales vomit all over him saying, the, the, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The sign of Jonah. You're going to have a message. And the message is, let's get back to the way God intended us to be. Let's be who God wanted us to be from the very beginning. We fell from that. We can now come back to that, but only through Jesus. Follow me, Jesus said. Now, if we're going to let Jesus be Jesus, it's incredibly important to remember what Jesus was about. And John, from that chapter 1, finally gets to chapter 20. Great story of Jesus' life. All, the, all of the teachings of Jesus are found there. But you get over to chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones out and you're running through it, we're going to chapter 20, verse 30. This is kind of his whole conclusion. Now, there's a little bit more of the resurrection after this, but this is his conclusion. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. 
But these are written that you may continue to believe. Now, most of your, most, most of your Bibles say may believe, but it's a, it's a per, perfect tense there. It means you believe now and you will continue to believe because of this. That you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not the doctor, not the banker, not the relationship builder, not the psychologist. The Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's through that process of letting Jesus be Jesus that we are able to have life. Here, now, in the midst of all of these issues that we have to face. We have life. And when we let Jesus be Jesus, then we just follow Jesus. Just be with Jesus. Don't color all of the other stuff. Yes, we have all kinds of different ways of singing. We have all different kinds of ways of worshiping. We have all different kinds of ways of building church buildings and having different kinds of liturgies and different kinds of of readings. At the end of the day, the real question is this. The same question that the early Christians asked each other. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And if the answer is yes, everything else is extra. It's the small stuff. Here's what John had to say to his followers as the Apostle John records it. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God. He was very consistent. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Now you know Jesus has to be Jesus. It's time to follow him. And two of the guys got it. They heard John speaking. He pointed to the one that he had come to prepare for. And they said, and they just said, okay, we're going to go. And then they get close to him. They don't know what to say. And Jesus turns around to them and says, what do you want? And he asks the same thing from us. And we have a long laundry list of stuff. And he's just standing there shaking his head. They ask the right question. Where do you live? Where are you? Where is your core? Where is our understanding of who you are and what you're all about? And Jesus said, come, follow me. Get to know me. Read about me. Spend some time with me. Spend some time talking with others about me. And once we get to know who he is, then we're ready to follow him. And follow him they did. They followed him to some wild and woolly places. They followed him to Caesarea Philippi where there was a place called the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. And he said to them, you've got to go beyond that door if you're going to be a follower of mine. They followed him through Samaria. If you think we have prejudice today, you hadn't seen Samaria in that day. They found prejudice like they had never expected to find it before. But they followed him there and they followed him through there. They even followed him to the grave of Lazarus. They knew that there were people laying in wait, wanting to take the life of Jesus. And if they were going to take the life of Jesus, they'd probably want to take their lives as well. And finally, it was Thomas, the doubter, the cynic, the one who always asked, why? Who said, let us go with him, that we may die with him. 
that's the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be. They followed him everywhere except to Calvary. When he was taking the cross up to the hill, they ran. And it depressed them so much that they were not with him that they decided just to cut and run back to their old way of life. It wasn't until they came back with him that they found their energy again. Hear this clearly. The best thing you can do for your mental health is to spend time with Jesus. When your heart beats with the heart of God, you are in tune with all of creation. You are in tune with all of God's purpose. And that purpose is centered in Jesus. And when we are centered in Jesus, then all we have to do is to tell other people about that. And that may sound incredibly difficult and complex. You don't know enough of the Bible and you don't know enough of theology and how can you open your mouth? But the fact is, that's not what it's about. It's just about Jesus. You go to some place, you're desperately hungry, all the other places are full, and you find this little hole in the wall somewhere, and you're thinking, well, at least they got food. And it doesn't look like much, but you eat there. Wow. Delicious. It's incredible. And you tell your friend, hey, you got to try this place. And your friend drives over to this place and calls you on the phone. Dude, I'm parked outside. It does not look like the place. It's small. The windows are a little grimy. Looks like the door is hanging half. No, 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 no. Go in. You got to see it. I'm going in, but the tables don't even have tablecloths. Looks like they use plastic spoons. What have you done to me? Now, here's what, just order this. Now, what does it taste? Oh, my heavens, this is the most wonderful place in the world. The tables are gorgeous. The walls are beautiful. The door doesn't even bother me at all. That's how it is introducing people to Jesus. Just get to know him. Let me introduce him to you. Let me tell you my story. I want you to know what it was like before I knew Jesus. And then I want you to know how I came to know Jesus. And then I want you to know what it's like now that I know Jesus. That's why I want you to know him too. You don't have to accept him. I just want you to know him in such a way that you can make your own decision about whether or not you want to continue to know him. Here's what the scripture says about introducing Jesus found in 1 John. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Philip, this is the other one of the two people that had followed Jesus that day, Philip found Nathaniel as his good buddy and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come 
and see. Philip doesn't argue. Andrew doesn't argue. Just come. Come and meet him. Come and know him. See what it does for you. That's what we're asked to do. I, some of you know that I was raised part of my life in Zimbabwe as a missionary's kid. And uh, my wife and I went back there and we served. When I was about 14 years old, um, I was on the mission station. It was, it was fairly early in the morning. Everybody just started work and I was walking out of the porch. And I, I heard the dogs barking. Now, that wasn't altogether unusual. We had a lot of dogs. More importantly, we had a lot of rabbits. And every once in a while, the rabbits would look at each other and say, don't you think dogs are getting a bit fat? Yeah, I think they're getting a bit fat. What about some exercise? Yeah, let's get them some exercise. And they would pop their heads up from wherever they were, and they'd go, hey, fatty, over here. And off the dogs would go, oh, 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 the rabbits are laughing and leaping around and dodging. And pretty soon after they're tired of the game, they down the hole. The dogs, I almost had him. Did you see I almost had him? Yeah, you did. You'll get him next time. That little cottontail. I'll grab a hold of that thing. I'll swing him around. And I heard the dogs bark and I thought, rabbits are exercising the dogs again. But as I thought that, through the trees just below my house, came a young kudu bull. Now, the kudu is an antelope that is about the size of a small horse. When fully mature, the male kudu can have horns that can reach beyond six feet. This was a young one. He only had about a two-foot set of horns. And right next to him were the dogs, barking, biting. And behind them were the workers, with shovels and axes and hoes and picks. And they're all yelling the same thing pretty much. We're going to eat tonight. We're going to eat tonight. And that poor young kudu bull noble creature running towards me with the dogs barking and biting and the workers hounding after him. And I looked at him and I thought to myself, we're going to eat tonight. And I I ran kind of down the hill a little bit, and I stood in front of him. I I just wanted to slow him down, but he didn't even think that that was interesting. He went around me so quick. And he jumped over a fence and into the middle of my mother's vegetable garden. Now we got you. Because we built that garden with two things in mind. The first, of course, is it's a vegetable garden. We eat the vegetables. But the second is, if anything else eats the vegetables... We're going to eat it. And so we built it so that the fence leaned in and was sharpened at the top so that nothing that could leap in could not leap out. I began to run. The dogs are already bouncing off of the fence. I run to the top and I grab a sharp machete and I grab the door. And as I do, I hear the voice of God say, don't touch that. I turn around and my mother, old Tennessee hillbilly, comes walking up the side there, she yells at me, tie those dogs up or shoot them. So we tied them up. She handed me a bucket. She said, fill this up with water. And I almost said, Mom, you know, you don't do much hunting with us, but we don't use water for that kind of thing. But I decided not to say anything. I filled filled the bucket and I carried it up and then she pointed inside and she said, put it in there. There are a lot safer places in this world. 
than being inside of an enclosure with a frightened kudu bull. But I looked in the eyes of my mother and figured it was safer in there than with her. (laughs) Yeah. So I opened the gate and I ooched inside. I don't know if you've ever ooched before. But you know how you kind of just, you kind of ooch. And I'm watching the kudu and the kudu's watching me. And I set the bucket down. And I start to take a step back. And like he had ordered room service, he walked over to that bucket, stuck his nose inside and drank half of it. Then he lifted his head and he looked at me, flopped his ears, his huge ears, slapping the side of his head from side to side. He turned around, did not run, did not take a step, just leaped over our antelope-proof fence and casually walked over the copy and out of our lives. This world is full of people who are being chased. They're being hounded by their financial situation. They're being hounded by their, their personal demons. They're being hounded by illnesses. They're being hounded by relationships. And they're stuck inside of that fence. And God said, Jesus, go in there. Take the water, and if they drink from it, they will never thirst again. And Jesus says to you and I, you've got the bucket. You, you go in. Because you and I now are the water bearers. We're going to prepare for communion here. Now, this is something that we do here at the church every Sunday. We have trays, the body and blood of Jesus, the cup, the bread. When it's passed, take the cup, take the bread. Everyone is welcome here. Hold on to it, and just you, know, you can take it whenever you want to. But here's what I'd like you to think about before you do. Ask yourself, who is not here that you wish was? Ask yourself, who doesn't know Jesus today that I wish had the opportunity to know Jesus? And then ask God, can I have the opportunity to tell him what I was like before I knew Jesus? Can I have the opportunity to tell him how you came into my life and how I made that decision? Can I have the opportunity to tell them how you have changed my life so much? And then take the sacrifice that makes it possible. Let's pray. Fathers, we take the cup and the bread, your body, your blood. We recognize that there are a lot of things that people can do to make themselves feel better in this world. And some of them are acceptable. But nothing, nothing gives us peace of mind. Nothing gives us enjoyment. Nothing takes us to the place where you want us to be, like our knowledge of you and your purpose. And so as we drink from this cup and eat from this bread, may we take your strength and your sacrifice to ourselves for others. In Jesus' name, amen.